You're listening to the Next Wave Radio Network. Limited run games. I don't know if you're familiar with them, but they'll they'll do like limited physical releases, uh, premium releases of games. Oh. and they have a Scott. They have a couple Scott Pilgrim ones. And uh, one of them is called the KO edition, and like it comes in what looks like uh, like an instrument case, like oh, cool. a, a roadie oh, case, awesome. and you open it up, and when you open it up, it has like the little eighteen bit uh, characters as if they're performing on stage. Oh, that's and, cool! Like, it'll play some of the Anamanaguchi music. Yeah, uh, and then when you open it up, it comes with two versions of the soundtrack: CD and cassette. Uh, <laughs> what? It has uh, uh, drumsticks. With the characters etched in them, it has three different sex bomb guitar picks of yes. three different grades. Nice. Uh, yeah, it it has like a hardcover strategy guide. It has like a premium version of like the map of Toronto. Jesus, uh, like it has all all this stuff, and it's just like, oh man, this is this is gorgeous. It, that it, is it's, incredible. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's it's tough to resist. But, but if you ever go to, go to limitedrungames.com, like some of the stuff that they put together for their game releases are just like top notch. Uh, it's it's like the Mondo version of video game stuff. I was just going to say, speaking of Anamanaguchi, I think they're releasing their soundtrack on vinyl as well. They did. They so did nice. on LimitedRunGames.com. Oh, there you go. Well, that's where I saw it. It's up there right now. Yeah, it's up there right now. Yeah, the game came out not long after that. Well, because if you watch to the end of the credits of Scott Pilgrim, you saw like the video game version of Scott Pilgrim come and like he punches the the end thing. Yeah, yeah, and it's the same exact the same exact Scott that's in like the he's modeled after the the game art. Yeah, anything on the price for it for that edition specifically? Uh, Yes, imagining it's probably going to be low payments of two ninety nine ninety nine one one forty. No. That's you know, better than I would expect. That's actually. not as bad. Yeah, I was expecting yeah. at least over two hundred dollars. So uh, yeah, are you guys physical? Oh, I think I know what the answer is going to be. But uh, <laughs> yeah, Joel, ask me this question. <laughs> Both of you. <laughs> are you more into the uh, physical media? Or are you okay with digital downloads? Which Which PS Five did I buy? Oh yeah, the one that has the disc. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, but you said that. I mean, that makes sense because it's for you know your future proofing, right? You want to be able to have yeah. that physical copy in case it ever gets pulled off of the store. And, and I, yeah. I I see that. I agree with that. But I think when, it, it uh, depends. It depends on the game that that yeah. i i like to kind of get the premiums i like to get the physical stuff like for the scott pilgrim one yeah i i i'm i'm definitely eyeing it um i'll be debating it for a while maybe if i can get a couple other voice gigs before you know between here and in there yeah uh I'll, I'll i'll pull the trigger but uh you know it, i'm trying to think the last time i was like really stoked about a physical copy of something the version of cyberpunk that i just picked up uh, I, I didn't mean to get the special one. Uh, in fact, I, I didn't really think it was, but it came in like a sleeve with all this stuff inside of it, and I was like, I just wanted the game, but uh, yeah. thanks for putting all this stuff in it. But I know there is like a $150 version oh, that comes with higher, a... Higher. Is it higher than that? It comes with a yeah, little... Like uh, 250 It comes with a Keanu Reeves statue or something. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's like, this game just... Like, it makes sense for games that you've played in your past that you have some... Affi- this is a game you haven't even played yet, and yet you're like <laughs> all in... Like they, they did the same thing with Death Stranding too, didn't they? Like when yep. that came out a couple years ago, and it was like, yeah, they, did, they, that, they did that with almost every Hideo Kojima game since Metal Gear Solid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, yeah, a- they 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 do that with a lot of a lot of games like that. I even remember back in when Skyrim came out, and they had that that big one with the the 
Akatosh. Uh, it ca- yeah, it came with the dragon. Yeah, it came with the dragon. Yeah. I think I got that one, <laughs> if I remember correctly. Speaking of dragons, they also have uh, Panzer Dragoon here on the right. limited run games. Mon- oh, uh, speaking Ooh. of uh, LucasArts, they do have a Monkey Island 30th Anniversary Anthology. Wow. For hey, $175. They've been, they've been talking Jesus about the re-release of, the, of this King's Quest game. Is it, is it King's Quest? Oh, like the old it, PC game by Sierra? Is it the original ones, or is it no, the, no, no, the no. one that just came out like No, I think it's supposed to be a remake, but it's like, it's King's something. I don't know if it's King's Quest, but it's King's something. It's been sitting in the coming soon section of the Nintendo Switch eShop. Oh. It's been, it's been sitting there for like the better part of a year and a half now with no release date. King's Bounty. King's Bounty. Oh, King's Bounty. Game called okay. King's Bounty 2. Uh, and they've been talking about how it's going to be coming out, going to be coming out. It was supposed to come out like a year and a half ago, and it never did. And it looks like now the, the release date is March of this year. Oh, yeah. All got pushed back. Yeah, you're right, because I'm seeing a trailer from uh, April 1st of 2020. This is an April <laughs> Fool's. This doesn't exist. <laughs> That's uh, why it's okay, still on showing- TV My bad. I thought, that was, I thought that was the LucasArts King's Quest, uh, but it's it's not. I don't even know if yeah. King's Quest is LucasArts. I think that was Sierra. Oh, King's you know Quest, what? You're yeah, probably Sierra. right. Yeah. yeah, you're probably right about that. But speaking that. of uh, LucasArts yeah. games, uh, you guys hear the announcements? Yes. yes. I guess there, there's two different announcements, right? So one, which I don't think has to do anything with LucasArts, uh, but it does have to do with a Lucasfilm property, that being uh, Indiana Jones, right? Bethesda is going to be publishing a new Indiana Jones game coming out in God knows when. I, and I, you know what? I think that's a good call. I think that's a good way to go. I think Bethesda, especially when you consider like all the exploration stuff that you ex- go through yeah. with like Elder Scrolls, with Skyrim, with Oblivion, um, I think that, that that could make for a fun game. I just think that being if they do the first person thing though that it may not translate as well no this definitely needs to be third person i'm i'm picturing like because i I think what's happening is they're seeing like uh uncharted moving to film and Mm -hmm. how there's just this insatiable desire for anything uncharted now uh and i mean uncharted was based off of it's basically indiana jones anyway and tomb raider so, yeah, yeah. Uncharted yeah. Tomb raider. basically mm-hmm. traded off the success of indiana jones and tomb raider there and then threw a little bit of nathan fillion in there <laughs> yes yep. they did so why not do uh the reverse and uh bring back indiana jones when i guess we're gonna be getting another film maybe we don't I need heard that they were working on one we, we definitely don't on definitely one. don't yeah. need one but that never stopped them from uh, giving us films we didn't need in the past uh, right <laughs> this is true so right? they, so they could be trying to uh, yeah capitalize on the film and uh releasing a, a game at the same time but i'm up for it uh i i i think it would be cool to have an uncharted style uh third person indie jones uh with next gen graphics uh, when's the last time when, uh, we had an indiana jones game uh, I think it was the Infernal was it the Infernal Machine. Oh yeah, it was, um, the original Xbox. I think. Shit. No, yeah. no, no, no. It was. It was. Um, I think it was. No, you're right. I think it was Xbox. I think it was regular Xbox. Like 15 years it, ago. It was. It was a good game too, if I remember correctly. It was uh, mm-hmm. the staff of something, Indiana Jones and the. Oh, I can't uh, remember yeah. what it was. Called. I'll look it up. I'll look it up. But uh, but it was really good, and they were kind of. They had built it off of more of a, a Tomb Raider 3D engine, mm-hmm. uh, and it was it was it was really compelling. It had a, a decent story, and I guess that was going to be my question to you guys: If you make an Indiana Jones game, where do you set it in the chronology? Do you do it like just in the middle of his you know uh, of his story, 
Do you do it before Indiana Jones? Do you, or I mean, Raiders Raiders. of the Lost Ark. Yeah. Do you do it? You know, what do you do it before Temple of Doom? Is it a pre pre prequel? Yeah, I, uh, where, I, where do you place this? I think so, especially if you're trying to like kickstart uh, at least a trilogy of video games. You don't want to start at the end. Uh, yeah. I think that whole, uh, you know, the, the, the college years, as it were, between the young Indiana Jones and uh, the Temple of Doom Indiana Jones, you know, that's, mm. that's ripe with potential. And he'd still be old enough to kick ass, but still young enough to kick ass. <laughs> so do you get yeah. Sean Patrick Flannery to come in and voice it? Hell yeah. Yeah, that's cool. I, I thought he was no, great. As, I, 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 did you guys ever watch that? Young Indiana Should Jones did. Chronicles? Yeah. There no, was, Sean Patrick Flannery was really good. When they finally got, when they finally just started focusing on him yes, and, of the, and stopped going back and forth, like different ages. And stuff. Jake Lloyd, yeah. Yeah. There's a, uh, there's a really good episode where, and I think it's the Sean Patrick Flannery Indiana Jones is in the war and he comes across like a musician or something played by Harrison Ford. Uh, it's it's a it's a yes. really good episode. I wish I could remember off the top of my head which one it was called. Uh, I can't remember what it's called, but I know exactly the one you're talking about. They actually got him to come back and do like a little yeah. bookend, right? Yeah, uh, and it's yeah. all about him learning how to play uh, the saxophone. It's got That's uh, right. Jeffrey Wright. Uh, uh-huh. Is the first time I saw him in anything. Plays a uh, jazz musician that kind of takes him under his wing. That's a great. It's, and it was one of those like special two hour long episodes, right? It's like a little mini movie. Yeah, it was that, like a finale. It was a yeah, season finale kind of thing. Yeah, that was, yeah, that was that fantastic. Was, man, that was fun. I guess if you had River Phoenix still, you could probably... <laughs> you <laughs> he would have been the right age, there. wouldn't he? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Staff of Kings uh, looks like came out in uh, 2013. It was a good one, man. For Staff of Kings too. was a fun game. Yeah. Uh, and before that, it was uh, there was one called The Infernal Machine, and that was mm-hmm. more of a... Uh, um, a King's Quest, more of a, a yeah, Grim Fandango yeah, kind of yeah. click point and click kind of game. Yeah, and they've had a few of those, if I recall. Yeah, yeah, that was uh, 2015. There you go. There was a uh, there was a fun puzzle game that came out for the PC. In fact, there were two of them. They were kind of sister titles. Uh, one was called Indiana Jones. I think it was called Indiana Jones Adventures, and then the other one was called Yoda Stories. And <laughs> no, but the fun thing about it is, like, when you finish the Indiana Jones one, like the final level. Indiana Jones basically meets Han Solo, uh, and then it, what? in Yoda stories, oh. Indiana Jones meets. He he shows up at the very last puzzle. Uh, you you solve it, and Indiana Jones shows up, and it was <laughs> it was a nice little bit of crossover. That'd be uh, great if awesome. they just started throwing all of the uh, Harrison Ford. You get the fugitive shows up. Yes, <laughs> Doctor <laughs> Richard Kimball. What are you doing here? His character from Witness. <laughs> you know? Not even his action roles, like regarding Henry. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Mosquito Coast. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, well, this is the 16-Bit really- Gladiators right here on the uh, Next Wave Radio Network. Uh, my name is Joel. I am joined by Joe. Hey. And also Jay. Hello. Because the rule is, if you want to be on this podcast, your name has to start with Jay. Sounds like That's uh, why we kick Tess out on yeah, this. It's like, get out of here, Tess. <laughs> Come back when you're Jess. Yes. <laughs> you don't even fit the naming scheme. <laughs> <laughs> You'll notice uh, Tessa's not with us this week, but uh, that ain't going to stop us from talking about video games. As we have already, uh, we were talking about the LucasArts announcement, the new Indiana Jones game, uh, and also there was another Lucasfilm tie-in announcement made within the last couple of days regarding to uh, Star Wars, right, Joe? Yes. Yeah, that's right. Uh, the Ubisoft is going to be developing a... Uh, kind of an open world Star Wars game. Uh, they're going to be working it off of the uh, the Division engine. Um, 
I don't even know if that's a, an engine, but just kind of the model of the the game, the division, uh, which is really cool. It's kind of like an online multiplayer. You can kind of hop in and out. Um, you know, three three person teams in the division. They may make that more, but uh, I think from my experience with division, which I think is really good, mm-hmm. I'm really excited to see what the what they do with this. Like, you know, can you be either side? Can you be imperial? Can you be rebellion? Uh, that brings up another question. Where is it going to be placed right. in the chronology? Mm-hmm. Like, will it be New Republic? Will it be Old Republic? Will it be, you know, the the Civil War era? Um, but not going to be based I, on the Mandalorian, huh? It, 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 no, it won't be. It won't be. I don't think so. It'll probably have some DLC. No, uh, but what I'm I'm really curious about what Ubisoft is going to do with it, though, because mm-hmm. for the longest time, like it seems like Activision and EA yeah. have been, been like yeah. the ones and that have had kind of a lot exclusive of rights to them. For... EA's had it for a long time, and they just released mm-hmm. that. Uh, squadrons game and they just released some new vehicles for that game uh and and everybody thought they weren't going to continue supporting it so i mean if ea is going to keep supporting this what are they i mean what's going to go on with ubisoft because ubisoft also has kind of a bad record for supporting yeah. games that yes, they do. And, and also kind of a shot across the bow uh for ea because uh yeah, yeah. Like jay you said they've had this exclusivity rights and uh, it's supposed to go on for another three years and I guess Disney's yeah. like Star Wars is too big for for just one uh, developer, so opening it up. Well, I think I think part of it is is kind of the the blowback from what happened with the Battlefront. Yep, when it came out, there big was so there was such a disappointment with that that I think that kind of really soured their relationship. But that was mostly because of the microtransactions, right? Not so much. Mm-hmm. The game itself? No, not exactly. No, there yeah. were there was a lot. Like the problem with the first Battlefront was that it was just online, yes. uh, and it was mostly just skirmishes. There wasn't a story. Then they came out with Battlefront Two, which was supposed to be this huge improvement. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is like this is well after they had the original Battlefront that was on the original yeah. Xbox, and like yeah. those games were outstanding. Like yes. it was, it, but then you got the people that made Battlefield. They're like, no, we're going to make the new Star Wars Battlefront. Uh, and so they ended up making these two games, and the second one was okay. It had a single-player campaign, but it was really weak. Like, nothing is more disappointing than playing a, a Star Wars game and it lacking any of that, like, rich history yeah. and, and like, the feel and the authenticity of Star Wars. That's why, you know, like, people love um, uh, the Force Awakens, not Force Awakens, um, God, Force Unleashed. Yes, it was like two or three games called Force Unleashed, Mm -hmm. and like it was this God of War style game, but like in the Star Wars universe, and it's like sometimes they get it so right, you know, by just kind of putting Star Wars, like taking something that's really successful, Mm -hmm. and then kind of giving it that Star Wars facelift, and sometimes it works. And then sometimes they do like twisted me- twisted metal. Yes, where and they just skin it like with Star Wars. Of, yeah, and they just skin it with Star Wars, and it's horrible. Yeah. and it's like, oh, mm-hmm. how did how did this happen? I uh, do have to admit, I, I picked up that Battlefront two when it came out. I guess two or three years ago now, mm-hmm. uh, and that was like my first next gen Star Wars game because I hadn't really played yeah. one since Jesus, probably Rogue Squadron or something, and uh-huh. um, started to get into it. Found it kind of. Uh, difficult even on the easier mm-hmm. levels or and yeah. i usually play like the uh, the easiest difficulty or at least normal normal to novice difficulty settings yeah. uh yeah. And, and there wasn't enough about the story uh, it, 
it just didn't didn't have that magic like you're saying, Joe. It didn't pull mm-hmm. me in. And uh, <laughs> a little secret here, just for uh, the podcast listeners, I actually uh, regifted that that came to my nephew over the uh, Christmas <laughs> season when his uh, Super Smash Brothers was delayed by uh, the post office. So I was like, oh shit, I can't show up, you know, empty-handed. So uh, I, I, I peeled off. The little, uh, you know, I, I had a, a, a new t- Tomb Raider game that was still in the wrapping that I hadn't uh-huh. fully opened yet. So I peeled that little seal off and I put oh it on this God. old game to make it look oh like no. it had been on. Un- oh He's no. fucking 11 years old. He's not going to know. <laughs> what does he care? It's a Star Wars game. Oh, my God. <laughs> so much so much deceit. Well, maybe uh, he'll get some more uh, use out of it than I did. But, uh, yeah, kind of bounced off that Battlefront too. I think that it... it- just to get back to the original point, though, Star Wars being set kind of like a division style game, I think is really good. I wish that it was going to be more of a, um, uh, oh gosh, what's the one that I've been playing? The uh, uh, Ghost Recon. Mm. Just because there's a little bit more diversity in like like battle on land and then also kind of commandeering vehicles and taking it to the air. It would be nice to to know that there's kind of a more of a seamless transition. I mean, I know we're really early in the stage right now to sure. be like worried about how the game is going to be coming out, but um, you know, for for to play more like Ghost Recon would be great because you got that open world thing going on. But then, like, if you see helicopters, you see planes, you see jeeps, like no matter what the vehicle, you can get in it and fly it, and like it would be kind of nice to like you know you're you're on land and then you jump into a Y wing and yeah. you go you know fly it around. Yeah. Yeah. So GTA I, I'm, Star I'm, Wars, I'll, I'll be very into oh, GTA Star Wars. Dude, God, that would be awesome. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, and so I'm I'm going to be following it closely. I'm I'm pretty excited about it. Yeah, well, this is their opportunity to uh, branch out outside of uh, EA and get some other developers, get some fresh set of eyes on uh, the Star Wars franchise as it pertains to video games. Still waiting for my Mandalorian game. I, I think that's going to be now that we've got this announcement. It's only a matter of time before. Uh, we hear about a Mandalorian game, and of course, when they do come out with a Mandalorian game, and that's that's a when, not if. It's sure to have a uh, little baby Grogu in it, and as, as he does in the TV series, maybe in the game, it'll uh, make you shed a little bit of tear, maybe feel some emotions yeah. for uh, oh, I see where you're going, Baby Yoda. That's right, because the topic this week <laughs> is games that uh, that make you feel feels right, games that uh, elicit emotions, and we had to kind of hone in on that topic because it's not just like. Every video game is supposed to make you feel emotions, you know, uh, uh, elated, joy, uh, uh, stress. Anger. Yes, if you're playing like a Resident Evil game. Video games run the gamut of emotions, but we're talking about deeper emotions, uh, connections that that maybe uh, make you feel a a sense of loss or or games that stick with you and maybe even uh, make you shed a tear or two. Uh, So -hmm. that is the topic this week on the 16-Bit Gladiators which is the podcast you're listening to. It's our weekly video game podcast. If you want to subscribe, you're not uh, subscribed already, you can do so on 16bitgladiators.com. We have, uh, yeah, exactly. How, do you, how are you even hearing this? Maybe you're uh, <laughs> near proximity to somebody who's listening. You can kind of hear the, the faint Somebody's sound of our voices. podcast really loudly. <laughs> hey, man, it could happen. Jenna tells oh, me man. she can hear this podcast uh, through my you headphones. Listen to these guys talk about video games. Oh <laughs> shit! <laughs> What's the name of that podcast? Well, it's Sixteen Big Gladiators. Uh, so go there. Uh, you can subscribe there, and you can find links to our social networks on Facebook and also on Twitter at Sixteen Bit Gladiators. Follow us there for news and uh, any topics we want to talk about. And uh, as I mentioned, yes, the topic this week: uh, games that uh, bring out the emotions, make you feel feels. 
Uh, I know I've got a few on my list. I'm sure you guys do as well. Um, yeah. Anybody want to start? What what comes to mind when you think about games that that made you cry? Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna just kind of get these out of the way because I didn't know that you were honing in on just games that make you feel like you know like sadness. Okay, <laughs> like not necessarily like sadness. But... I I went with I went with games that gave me profound like I had a profound emotional reaction to them. Okay, whether it was uh like pleasant or touching or just kind of terrifying. Okay, uh, and and the first one on my list was and it was funny that you brought it up was 1996's Resident Evil. Yes. Because this, I mean, this game was the first game that ever made me feel legitimately frightened Terror. to play through it. That, like, I had to, at several times, put the controller down because I just could not, I, I couldn't emotionally, I couldn't mentally handle walking through the next door oh, until yeah. I took a break and then came back to it. Now... I think it it all started, and I think anybody who's played Resident Evil knows where it starts. And it's when you're you make kind of that first loop around the house, and then you get back to that original hallway again, yep. and you start running by these windows, and the dogs bust in through the window. Yes. And take you. It's the biggest everybody that I've ever played the game with. So the first time I played it was with my my buddy uh, Sean Murphy when I used to live in New York. My best friend there was Sean Murphy, uh, and I would go back and visit him from time to time, and he had a PlayStation. And was visiting with him, watching him play video games. And he was like, hey, let's play Resident Evil. You ever seen that? I'm like, no. He's like, well, sit down. Buckle up. Oh, <laughs> I was like, no. So he's playing through it. He knows this is happening, too. The dick doesn't warn me that this is going to happen. <laughs> and, uh, and he walks by the, the, the hallway, walks by the window. The dogs crash in. I jump. <laughs> I <laughs> and so like, it was from that point out, like, I played it again on my own after I got a PlayStation jumped when because I, I forgot yep. that it happened jumped again then that turned into a thing where I had to invite people over to experience it as well and be like oh uh, okay well here we go we're gonna go through this hallway and everybody every friend I had oh, yeah. I was like hey, here we go <laughs> <laughs> for me it's that uh scene when you first see the zombie when you you come up on him and he's munching down on somebody oh yeah and they could go to that cut scene and he kind of slowly turns his head towards turns the camera head. like mm -hmm. to me yeah the, the dog jump scare is is right up there but to me that's what stuck with me because it's, yeah. it's a nice close-up of the zombie. And uh, for 1996 graphics, man, you know, when you're coming from, like, Mario 64, and, and uh -huh. uh, here's this uh, zombified person on your TV. Sure. It, was, it was shocking. And then it switches back to horrible 3D graphics. Of course, yeah. with a fixed <laughs> camera uh, up in the upper corner. Yeah, all the security cam footage. Every, everything looks like the first Tekken. You're like, oh, God. <laughs> but, but there's something very deliberate about the first Resident Evil, and it keeps upping itself in stages almost as if it's acts and mm -hmm. so the first act is the dogs then the second act is when you know you start kind of experiencing the uh the hunters because there you you run into these other new beasts in the game called hunters and like it's after you've gone out to the uh you've gone out to the garden uh the guest house you finished everything in the guest house you killed the giant plant you come back into the main house and something follows you, and that's when the hunters start showing up. Those things are crazy. Then, you know, you get to the end, and you're fighting the T-virus. And it's all done deliberately. It's all done in stages. And just when you thought, like, okay, uh, I'm, I'm used to this. I'm ready to go. Like, something else happens mm -hmm. that kind of keeps you on your toes. It scares you. And then they brought that into when Nintendo released the GameCube and one of the release titles, uh, or, or one of the launch titles, rather, was the Resident Evil remake. 
Yep. They took everything that everyone had become used to and made it new again, made it fresh. Mm -hmm. They introduced running zombies and zombies that didn't stay dead. They introduced this whole side story about this zombie girl that like lived in a cave in the back of the house. It was like, oh my God. And it made the game scary again because eventually the fear subsided of course. with the original game. And I ended up speed running the shit out of that game mm -hmm. regularly. But those first few playthroughs, Wow. Yeah. It was just really scary. So that was when you when you brought up this topic about emotions, like it's funny because yeah. this was the first one that came to mind. Yeah, that's a strong one. Well, who am I to dictate mm -hmm. uh, what, mm -hmm. what emotions you should be feeling in video games? Jay, what yeah. about you? Did you follow directions? And uh... <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think most of mine. Yeah, most of mine are, are probably in the sad yeah. category. Yeah. Um, Oh, by the way, before Jay goes on with this, mm -hmm. I do, I do want to say like I picked the games that I picked for today because I knew which ones I knew in my heart which ones Jay was going to pick. Yeah, well, and I want I wanted to make sure we didn't have too much crossover. We, we, we might have a little <laughs> bit of crossover, but uh, no, that's good. Thank you. Good on you. A little bit, a little bit, a little bit. Um, but yeah, one of the I would say getting into the one most recent one that I can that I can remember would be breath of the wild there was a oh, um, yeah there was a side quest I, that one kind of goes to elation too just you know just the exploration of it and mm -hmm. everything but there's this one side quest in uh, kakariko village that involves these two little girls they're two little sisters and the the one she's you first meet her she's at like this cooking pot and you bring her some ingredients and stuff because she's wanting to learn how to cook and uh, her sister is running around the town. And when you talk to her sister, she, you know, she says she's bored. And you say, you know, do you want to play? And she, yeah, I want to play hide and seek. And she talks, you know, they talk about their mother hiding and, and things like that. And eventually it, you are talking to their father and find out that their mother was actually killed. Oh, no. Before I had actually gotten to that part in the, in the quest line for it, I came across the older sister. <gasps> sitting out in the rain oh. by the tree and there's there's all these rocks there and she's crying and when i went to talk to her she was like i forget the exact word she said but something along the lines of this is where mother is sleeping oh no and it, it's their it's their mom's grave and that just hit me wow. hard when i heard it yeah. i think i was I'm, not expecting it at all i missed that side quest then i guess i, I thought i had it's done them all it's an easy one to miss yeah huh. it's an yeah. easy one to miss i thought you were going to say the uh the, the Terrytown one is it Terrytown? is that what it's called Terrytown, yeah yeah Terrytown with uh with the uh, getting everybody together to to eventually get to a marriage yeah have the wedding at the yeah. end too which yeah uh, yeah it's, mm -hmm. it's 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 one of the it's like the best side quest in a game i've ever played yeah. because yeah, there's so great. many parts to it um, and yeah, you're, you're basically uh, starting this new little colony out on an island in the middle of fucking nowhere. Um, yeah, and yeah. and uh, throughout the different parts of uh, Hyrule, you'll meet people who uh, th th there's a criteria, right? They all have to their name has to rhyme. All with, have uh, to have with yeah, in with son, son exactly, Carlson. Yeah. And, and if you notice throughout that whole quest, the music when you're in Terrytown, it starts off yes. like just this real yeah. subtle kind of like one instrument note mm -hmm. and then as you bring people to the town the more and more music and the more and more styles of music of, right. the, of the different places that they came from yep. get mm -hmm. introduced into it it's fantastic Isn't that amazing yeah and then it all culminates with that uh that wedding at the end Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's kind of isn't that what triggers the because there's that same side quest where where you're building your house and mm -hmm. over time you mm -hmm. keep adding to it and adding to it and when it's finally done 
there's a little cutscene that gets triggered where he hangs the photo of like the selfie of him and the uh, the four warriors. Yes, and uh, it plays yes. a nice little music cue that it doesn't have anything else to do with. Uh, it's it's not a particular quest per se, but uh, I thought that was a nice little touch, and it's just a, kind of a moment when you're like, ah, oh, yeah, look what all we've accomplished, look how far we've come. Yeah, uh, yeah. there's there's a lot you. of under underestimated like a, a lot of stuff that you wouldn't you wouldn't expect uh, that hits emotional chords in Breath of the Wild. Uh, I think every time that you I can't remember the name of the character, but he tells you like he sings you the ballad. Oh, yeah. of yes. like whatever hero and yes. you kind of go back and you see like the flashbacks or when you when you free one of the 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 legendary monsters and you kind of get the backstory of like where it fit into the story yeah. of uh, before the yeah. calamity uh it, yeah. it it's all kind of heartbreaking yeah yeah good one good one jay uh all yeah, right well since we're kind of kind of going in order here i'll throw one out um i'll start with one that uh i've talked about a few times on on our other podcast the editing bank this is an independent one that came out i want to say five or six years ago uh and i want to say it started off on pc and it's kind of trickled now to some of the other um consoles i know you can find it on switch i know i think xbox and maybe even ps4 now it's called what remains of edith finch have you guys heard of this one anybody played this? i haven't played it i've heard of it fantastic fantastic game you played it too jay Yes, yeah. It's uh people like to call it a uh, it's what you would call a walking simulator walking basically. Simulator, yeah. Because there isn't a lot of action in it. It's basically kind of just this story that's that's that you're following through about this family, this cursed family where everybody kind of dies young. And uh yep. you start off and it's it's first person so you never see who you are but you have this uh, this diary and you're going and you're reading the stories and you're 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 going back home. And uh, yeah, this the, house, the where, house where everybody lived and it's it's just the design of the house itself is cool and kind of creepy because they've like stacked on different rooms. So like the very last level, you're at like the very t- tip top of this of this house. Uh, but along the way, the gameplay kind of changes as they're telling the story. Joe, you'd love it because there's a mm-hmm. level that's co- told in kind of like the Tales from the Crypt comic book style where nice. uh, they're like flipping pages and there's different panels. But every story, every level per se, deals with the death of one of the characters, one of the relatives, uh, uncles oh, and, yeah. and aunts, and and in some point babies. There's a couple of babies that I think uh, die, and you, you could. But they're all very like artistically done, uh, even to the point at the end where um, there's this one level where he's, you're kind of hallucinating, um, and it's about this guy who who got caught up in his own uh, his own fantasy world. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and died tragically, but really ingenious, just the way that they tell the stories. But um, and and a very short game. Like we blew through it. Jen and I started playing it like mm-hmm. on a Friday evening, and we pulled an all nighter. And it was like five a.m. when wow. we. Uh, now I, I'm told you can finish it in like two or three hours, but yeah, part of the enjoyment yeah. kind of comes from taking your time because Take there's all time. little Absolutely. clues, and as you're reading the different details and kind of soaking in the environment, uh, yeah. I can't recommend that highly enough. But when you finally get to the end after um, all, all this death, um, and none of it is like it, it's tragic, um, but it's all kind of sort of predestined. Like you know that the character they're talking about in every level dies yeah. at the end, so it's about kind yeah. of discovering how this person dies. So it's not like oh, it's it's not a shocking death, but yet still right. very touching, and uh, and the ending is kind of very poignant, and yet. Uh, sad and and tragic in its own way and it's one of those games where like 
we, we got done with it and you kind of just have to like take a moment, right? Like we kind of mm-hmm. s- sat there. The music is fantastic too. It's got a great mm-hmm. score. Um, and just kind of letting that wash over you. And, uh, it, it's the closest to like watching a movie, uh, and playing yeah. a game. I, I love experiences yeah. like that. It's, it's a different style of gameplay, um, that, that really sucked you in. So yeah, I, I can't uh, recommend that enough. Well, what remains oh, of Edith great. Finch and you can find yeah. it's always on sale for like 10 or 15 bucks. Yeah, there's yeah, a few of those yeah. that are that are always on sale on yeah. the uh, on the eShop. Yeah, the, there's another one that's kind of in the similar in a similar vein because uh, it's the same kind of deal where it's a, a walking simulator, yeah. but it also has a very poignant story. Uh, the Vanishing of Ethan Carter. Mm. Uh, it's hey, another Ethan one of those. Carter, where tell me where <laughs> have you been? Tell me where have you been? I've been searching. Interesting. Is it, uh, what's the what's the uh, plot? The the plot is you you're you're a detective that you're looking for this boy Ethan Carter he's he's gone missing, and you're following through on these clues you you see like little almost like flashbacks mm. like you have some sort of a psychic connection to him or whatever so you see like these flashbacks of places that he's been uh, things that he's done and it leads you starting out in kind of like this forested area and you you walk along get through some train tracks and you go through, you find this old, uh, almost like a fort house that he's made that hmm. was shaped like a rocket ship. And it, it does this whole sequence where it goes up into space and, and you know, you're, you're kind of floating around in this rocket ship and then, uh, and he ends up in this house and there's like demons that are following him in this house. And you know, I don't want to really spoil the ending, but it, it turns out that all of this that you've been experiencing hasn't necessarily been because because he's gone oh so there's there's it's kind of like a i guess psychic connection would be the the oh, interesting. the best way to describe it that's yeah. a good tease um, i'm intrigued mm-hmm. yeah I have to check out ethan ethan carter is that what you said yeah the vanishing ethan of ethan Hunt. carter it's the mission impossible <laughs> <game>. <laughs> all right joe you're up buddy what do you got on your list uh okay so i'm, I'm this is kind of a um it's a non-traditional pick as well, uh, but it's it's definitely a game that left me kind of you know feeling shaken, uh, not, not stirred. stirred. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you guys remember this from the game Call of Duty Modern Warfare Two mm-hmm. came out in two thousand nine, and it got a lot of press because there was a mission that you could choose not to do, uh, but there was a warning before you started the game. Oh, there was a warning before this level. This level was called No Russian. And in the game, at this point in the game, you play a CIA agent who's undercover uh, trying to infiltrate a, a terrorist cell. And the level opens up as you're entering an airport. And the whole point of the level is to go in and you're killing innocent people. <gasps> Jesus. Uh, yeah. And at the end of the level, you end up getting killed. Um, so, And even if you don't pull the trigger on anybody, you end up dying your character that you're playing as. And that's the thing about like Call of Duty, especially when we got into like Modern Warfare. Mm-hmm. Like It started turning into you didn't just play as one character. You played as like four different people throughout mm-hmm. the course of a story. Uh, and yeah, at, at this point, like th- this character that you're playing ends up getting, getting killed. And it's it, like it was chilling. You, and you realize that you have every opportunity to not play this level uh-huh. and yet yeah. you still elect to and it maybe scares you about like 
the person you are it makes you reflect on that a little bit like <laughs> yeah. so yeah. so not only the content of the game just kind of like making you feel kind of horrified about what you've just done but then realizing like i didn't have to do this oh, like no. oh. and i guess maybe that makes it's making me think a little bit more maybe i thought too much into it but yeah that was definitely something i'd never experienced in the game before it made me feel some things uh and at the same time it changed my mind about like call of duty games which i thought were just dude bro games for a long time Mm -hmm. and i was like wow somebody took some time to really make some kind of impactful story go on here and uh yeah yeah that that one will stick with me for a while interesting yeah i'm reading about it now wikipedia no russians a controversial mission 2009 game where the player could participate in a mass shooting at a russian airport Mm -hmm. noticeably more graphic Mm -hmm. than any other level in the game yeah interesting that they would take like a heart like uh, turn a side quest into uh, <laughs> a, a, a statement, basically. Yeah, I, I and and the thing was like, there there are a couple of ways to go about it where you can look at it like, okay, this was just gratuitous, shocking, just trying to sell some games yeah. by having some kind of shocking material. But at the same time, it's like something like that made me think, and it was yeah. like it, it really made me reflect on like the the gun violence that's that was going on even at that point. Yeah, like holy crap! Like this is this is something that we need to be paying attention to. That's a fine line, isn't it? Though between because you know video games are basically you know it's right there in the the title. They're games. We call ourselves gamers, yeah. right? Supposed There's, to be escapism, yeah. exactly. And yeah, and, and it's kind of this power fantasy type. Thing yeah, and just yeah. just gamifying. I, that never sat well with me. Gamifying like moments in history, like all these Call of Duty mm-hmm. games, that are, where they're taking. What's the one that starts with the attack on Pearl Harbor? To me, that always kind of uh, it, was, it was like Call of Duty two or yeah. three. I think. The, yeah, it was one of the originals. That always struck me yeah. as a little crass. Um, I mean, I mean, I know we're sixty years removed, but um, there's a fine line between you know taking something in history and and just turning it into a game without really making a stick. Because I, I don't think that one really was trying to say anything. I mean, war is bad, but is it when you're selling copies at $60 a pop? <laughs> and right. uh, it was just kind of recreating the events, but it almost kind of cheapens it. And if that's the only context that kids are, are getting out of Pearl Harbor, like, you know, I can imagine a, a kid playing that game and having no idea that Pearl Harbor was an actual thing besides just that level from Call of Duty. I don't know. I get yeah. what you're saying, but I also think that there is a bit of respect that's put into it. I think that it, it's important if you're going to make a, a, a historical shooter, then you should be you should be trying you should try to be authentic to the experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that if you're going to take a video game, and honestly, like the Call of Duty games are not they're not for kids. I know people True. are buying them for their kids, but they're not for kids. Just like a, an R-rated movie isn't for a kid but people will let their kids watch it and so it's not really i don't i don't think i can i can't drag the game developers over the coals for it and i can't blame the publishers for it but i think that if you're going to put a gun in a player's hand and ask them to be invested and ask them to be i guess for lack of a better term responsible Mm -hmm. then yeah i think you open it up with something like pearl harbor like something something kind of impactful like that something horrible uh to to get your character get your player into like okay we are trying to in a way justify what's going on we're also trying to put you historically in the shoes of somebody that was put in this position you know like all right we're we're it's it's almost like 
in a way you could make the same argument against saving private Ryan. Like, is it disrespectful to the people that lost their lives storming the beach in Normandy because we see it glorified in this film? No, I don't believe it is, but it's not glorified. It's, it's it's graphically showing the horrors of war. No, 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 no. But I don't, I don't mean glorified. I mean, you know, but, but it is in its own way. It's, uh, uh, gl- not glamorized. I yeah. can't think of the word that I'm trying to use I mean, right now. Ultimately, it, it is entertainment that we're asking people to pay money for. Right. Exactly. Uh, and so it, it's kind of along those same lines. So I see where you're coming from, and I don't think you're wrong. But at the same time, I kind of see the other side too, and I, I don't think we're wrong. No, and I agree with you because, yeah, why shouldn't you know adults like us be able to play games like that and have that emotional maturity to – Realize the context, but still also uh, um, participated in it in a exactly. way with the, yeah. the knowing the the history behind it. I, I just mm-hmm. question whether everybody has that uh, maturity, the mental uh, capacity. Now, I would compare right, this right. to I would compare this to a game that Jay and I had run across like several years ago. Uh, it was an independent game called JFK Reloaded. Yes, oh, you want to talk about controversy. The whole point uh, of the game was you're sitting up in the book depository waiting for the motorcade to drive by. And then, like, it, it, it was developed under, like, this whole, like, it's an experiment right. to see if he could have, if Oswald could have been the lone shooter. And the thing is, it's like, okay, you can call it that all you want, but, you know, you're you're just kind of titillating. Like, right. you're trying, to, you're trying yes. to get people, like excited about i get to be the shooter like i don't find too much social value in jfk reloaded even though we played it and put it on like the total chaos mode and that was a different time that's definitely not the kind of game that i would pull out now um but it doesn't have any kind of you know value as far as like you know trying to say call of duty is trying to educate but trying to give you a rich gaming experience that's not what it's doing um, so I don't know. I, I it, it, you bring up a good point. I think it's a bit of a slippery slope. Yeah. But I think ultimately, I look at it as it's the same kind of people that like like me that enjoy watching Band of Brothers. Uh, I enjoy yeah. playing some of these Call of Duty games. Wasn't there like yeah. a 9-11 game as well where you could kind of relive the events of it? I think it was like a VR game. Yep. Yes. Somebody, made, somebody made that. That's another. Uh, one. There was there was an also a uh, an RPG. Uh, about the uh, the the trench coat mafia kids that, that oh, went in and shot up their shit. school. Yeah, Columbine. Yeah, yeah. Columbine. Yeah, there um, was another one from the from that college that they. Uh, yep. Crap! What was that in? Oh shit! Yeah, the, the, the it was around the same time. Shortly, um, yeah, shortly after Columbine. Yeah. Oh, oh I can't remember. I can't remember. But yeah, it was it was a shorter game. Like the the Columbine one was really long. It was unexpectedly long where it starts off and you're like the kids and you go into the school and then you, you shoot up the school and then you end up going to hell. And Oh, like, all right. <laughs> it, it turns into this fantasy game where you're like fighting your way out of hell. And I'm like, this is not good. You know, we, we shouldn't, we should not be glamorizing these kids. Yeah. That's, uh, that's a little revenge porny, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It, it sure yeah. is. Well, let's it get sure back is. on track then, because while those may elicit some emotions, they're not the ones we're talking about. Uh, so we're talking about <laughs> emotional games. Uh, Joe, did we ever get to your pick? We did. It, it, it all started with me calling about Call of Duty. It was the Call of Duty one, right? Talking about that. Yeah. All right. Uh, Jay, uh, you're up next. What do you What do you have next on your list? Well, um, I'm actually going to cut one of them because I did think of, of one that was more of a joy emotion. Ooh. Um as we were kind of talking about this and you 
talking about the storming of the the beach in Normandy mm. reminded me of it. Um, Conquer's Bad Fur Day. Oh, oh my god. god, that is not where I thought you were going. Oh my god, right? <laughs> that is. It is the most joyous game. This game came out uh, after a string of really like cutesy animal games on the on the N sixty four, and it was also by Rare who who did all these cutesy yeah, animal Banjo games. Banjo Kazooie, right? Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And I remember, you know, I I had subscribed to Nintendo Power for for years, Same. so I got all of the all of like the the development updates on this game coming out, and it had started out as like this cutesy squirrel game you know mm-hmm. there was well, um, because conquer's first game was on the game boy game boy yeah yeah uh-huh. and it was this cutesy you're a squirrel collecting nuts and mm-hmm. like that was that was all it was yeah yep yep so i i had i had basically written this game off i wasn't gonna i wasn't even gonna take a look at it and joe calls me up he's i don't know which store you were <laughs> in but he he was sitting at one of the kiosks or whatever playing where it, it was playing and he's like, dude, you gotta get this game. <laughs> so, so, so I yeah. end, I end up getting it, and holy shit! I mean, this game is just filled to the brim with pop culture references, mm-hmm. and everything that you everything that you do in this game just brings a smile to my face because it's like I'm in the Matrix and I'm a freaking squirrel, <laughs> like mm-hmm. shooting Uzis. I'm I'm fighting a haystack that's freaking Arnold Schwarzenegger that's Terminator. Terminator. You're yeah, fighting like, a giant piece of poop. Of shit. Yes. Poop. <laughs> yes. That, did you, is it true that the the singing voice for the 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 poop was Weird Al Yankovic? What was it? I don't I don't that's, know about that. I'm looking at it right now. Would love that if that's true. Joel, the um, so there's there's a point in the game where you have to, and I'm sorry, I don't mean to, to steal your thunder here, Jay, uh, but really quick, there's a point in the game where you have to feed these cows a bunch of prune juice oh, to make them poop. Oh my god! And then like, and that and that opens up another part portion of the game, and so it opens up a part where you end up going underground. Like this whole thing, it's really clever the way like everything you're doing in the game does end up coming into play later, uh, and mm. it doesn't it doesn't immediately pay off, but it will. Uh, eventually, and so you go underground where these cows have been pooping, and it's like oh, I can't remember the name of the of the character. It's like the the the, the, the great, great mighty poo. It's the great poo. mighty poo. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so the whole fight is you having to throw toilet paper into his mouth <laughs> while he's singing. He's singing an operatic number Frank. while you're fighting him. It's it's so amazing. Oh, it's beautifully done and and a hard uh right for um nintendo back in the day because nintendo exactly, this is the company that yeah. just a couple of years previously had gotten flack for um not letting blood for mortal combat into the mortal combat <laughs> yep. game like these big globs of sweat yep. would come off of your opponents when you hit yep. them which was ludicrous um and of course they finally came around and n64 is when they were like fuck it let's just we'll have yep. blood we'll have uh, fighting poo, we'll have cursing. There's a bit of cursing in uh, Conquer's Bed for there a day is. as well, right? Yeah, yeah. there is. They, you know what? They, uh, if you have an Xbox 360 or an Xbox One, yes. they, they released it. Uh, there's a, a video game package called Rare Replay, and it's a right. bunch of these old Rare games, and they've released Conquer's Bad Fur Day on that. I'm about to check that oh, out. Oh, nice. There, mm-hmm. uh, I think, actually, I heard that was coming to PC, too. Oh, that's um, good, yeah. And they also released the Live and Reloaded on the original Xbox, man, which was just kind of like a, a visual update to the Bad Fur Day. But then it also had a multiplayer mode uh, that was like Ooh. internet multiplayer first uh, first Xbox Live 
multiplayer. Interesting. Sure. Yeah. Well, uh, an unexpected entry into the uh, feels uh, category, <laughs> right? but, uh, but I like I it. Yeah. Call. Good auto. I like it. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, I'm going to go next. Uh, the next one on my list. Let's see which one should I do. I'll do um, a little another independent film. Film. Another independent game <laughs> called uh, Greece. I believe is how it's pronounced. G R I S. Yes. Which is uh, Spanish for gray. The color gray. gray. This is a again another independent um, game. Uh, I think you can find it for like fifteen twenty bucks. Jay, you've heard of it. Have you played this as well? I've not played it, but yeah, I have heard of it. I think I got it on a humble bundle. Yeah, kind of recently, and I haven't had a chance to play it yet. But I I do remember. Sounds about uh, right. I guess it was maybe about two or three years ago when it came out. Yeah, and I remember. I remember it being very, very highly regarded. Yes, it was. Uh, what drew me in mostly was the the art style um, because yeah. it was famously it was kind of made by not so much video game developers. This was their first game that this uh, this company put out, uh, but they were all they had a background in art. They were artists, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. and um, so the the visual style is kind of built around this watercolor. Um, yeah. Art style, which is beautiful, uh, but but it's also the telling of the story uh, that kind of grabs you and pulls you in. Of course, as with most independent games, it's like a four or five hour game. Uh, Jen and I blew through it in a weekend, um, but it starts off. It's all it's all about kind of uh, grief, and 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 you're you're this main character, this little woman. And she's never really given a name. I think it's it's more of a it's all kind of an analogy. Uh, but mm. she starts off and her world is full of color and she's singing and then uh, her world literally starts to crumble. And so the very first level, she's she's hunched over. She's she's uh, visibly upset, sad probably. Uh, and a- as you go through the game, like really your first, your first task as this character is just to stand up, just to get up. And it takes a couple of button pushes before she even is responsive. And then as she's walking, her head is down, she's moping. And... It's kind of brilliant because the way the game is laid out, as you conquer each level, it's almost like another stage of grief that she's getting over. It's like a visualization of it, uh, and you get you get a, another color back into your life. So the palette in the first level is all monochromatic; it's all blacks and grays, and then oh, you get the color red back, and then the next level you get the color green back and blue. And so at the end of the game, you're you're literally have rebuilt your world, and it's such a a, a joyous moment, the end of that game when you've kind of conquered and, and rebuilt, um, because of the the journey that this character has been on, and to and it's your standard kind of platformer, right? You know, there's nothing too uh, groundbreaking about the gameplay itself. It kind of plays a little bit like Ori in the Blind Forest. You get new. Uh, it's a Metroidvania in a lot of ways. You know, you get a new mm-hmm. uh, 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 power, a new technique. That allows you to progress in the game, um, but fun enough on its own right. And then when it when it adds that extra layer uh, of um, her trying to uh, conquer her own grief, um, I, I I just loved it. And it's another one of those games where at the end of it, you really felt like you accomplished something. You learn. You want to, like Scott Pilgrim would say, I feel like I learned something. <laughs> something (laughs) (laughs) and uh i i I think that's probably kind of the common thread of the games on my list is that they weren't just it wasn't just oh i beat the final level oh here's the credits rolling i feel a sense of accomplishment this is more like 
I feel like I'm a better person for having experienced this yeah. uh, entertainment. Yeah, Joe is furrowing his brow at that. No, no, no. no I, I the thing is, like, I can I can see what you're saying. I agree with what you're saying. Um, you agree with it? I I, I think that uh, stop it. <laughs> um, no, I think that it's nice. It's nice when you get something like that at the end of a game. I don't crave it every time. No, um, because it's very emotionally I, draining. Well, it's emotionally draining. Sometimes it feels a little pandering to me when games try too hard to do something like that. Right. Uh, it's but so it's nice when it happens organically. It's nice when it's, it's nice when it's unexpected. When you end up feeling something, yeah. and like you kind of like, yeah. wow. Now I feel like I learned something. I feel like I learned something about myself, and I feel like, I I do feel like I'm a little bit of a better person because of it. Yeah. No, it's. But but again, those are those have been few and far between for me. Yeah, I hear what you're saying about the manipulation. Uh, listen to our last episode where I talked for like half an hour about The Last of Us Two, and how I felt <laughs> like that was uh, like the that game's main goal was to kind of beat you over the head and 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 beat you down and and yeah. force you to feel something. Whereas the original Last of Us, which is also on my list, uh, as it should be, is a game where I was surprised, you know, here's this game about uh, zombie apocalypse taking over. And in the mm-hmm. end of it, like that's like if I were to describe that game, that that is the least of it. It's really this yeah. father son relationship. The least of it. The, the, the least of us. That's right. <laughs> so it's it's funny that you say that because these games, they're not actually on my list, but I think they they kind of fall along the same lines as The Last of Us. And that would be the, the Telltale Games Walking Dead. Yes. Um, like the first one I found to be surprisingly emotional and really good and really deep. But the problem was I played like the next two or three that they made after that. And it suddenly felt like they were just kind of following a formula uh-huh, and it, formula. it started it's to get tired for of, me. I was like, come on, stop it. It's kind of like that with, with, uh, with most of the telltale games uh, that once they, once they hit that uh, walking dead, and it was such a huge hit. They started doing all their games with that same kind of formula. Yeah. And even even the ones that aren't The Walking Dead, like the the Wolf even Among Us one, and the Batman ones, the Wolf Batman Among Us ones. Yeah. They kind of follow that same formula, and it's like, okay, we can change things up every now and then. You know, I gotta say their their Borderlands one, their Borderlands one was fantastic. It, it was, was fantastic. So yes. Yeah. 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 All right, Joe. Moving right along. What's next for you, um, bud? Okay, so I have four more left on the list, and I'm not going to like go into super like long explanations about each of them. Okay. Um, but I kind of wanted to talk about uh, 2010's Red Dead Redemption. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Oh. This this game, man, I'll tell you, like it starts off in 1911. You play this character named John Marston, and he's been picked up by the uh, an early FBI, basically, and you basically have to like win your freedom back because you were part of like this outlaw gang, and you have to win by hunting down your old gang and bringing them to justice. Meanwhile, you're trying to like set up a new life with you and your family and you just want it. You're doing this for them. And the whole thing ends up like you end up taking out the last baddie and these government agents decide that it's easier for them to take you out than to let you actually have your freedom. Mm. And like the very last bit of the game, you go out to the barn because you hear something outside. You go out to the barn, check the barn, and then like as you're leaving the barn, you kind of hear something. You peek outside, and there's like a garrison of dudes waiting for you to exit the barn. And you have no choice. Damn. You have to you have to leave. And like 
it goes into red dead mode and you start to try to shit and there's no way you can't kill everybody and like you end up getting taken out and the thing is just when you think that's the end there's like a whole like a ps to this game where you end up playing the main character's son like five years later oh shit he hunts down the guys that killed his dad and it's, like, it's so it's so heartbreaking because when you when you finish the game the finish you finish the last mission with the first character there's totally this like it feels like a credit sequence there's a really like somber song uh and it plays out and you ride yourself you ride back home then there's even more and then it's even more heartbreaking like as you're jack marston avenging his father's death and it's just like man this is this is deep it was it was one of the best westerns i've ever seen and it was a video game. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Mm-hmm. Common thread. Bringing it back to the earlier discussion where we were talking about the Lucasfilm. If if they do a, a Mandalorian game, well, I say if, when they do a Mandalorian game, go. give it to Rockstar Ooh. to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If they're not going to be you know exclusive EA anymore. That's a great idea because it's basically these, a Western. These, these jerks are going to make a Mandalorian game and it's going to be a fighter. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> It's that would be thing. funny. Or like, no, it's a, it's a phone game. Like, I don't know if you guys had yeah, see those like, Star, Star Wars Heroes Mobile. We yes. just introduced Mandalorian and Baby Yoda as playable characters. Man, that would be so disappointing yeah. because that property is just like ripe with potential. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I I, I want to play one, but I want to play yeah. the right one. Hey, real, <laughs> real quick, um, we've been talking about Uncharted. I finally finished uh, Uncharted Three, Joe. Just last night we uh, beat the nice. last one. You know what? I I tend to agree with you. Uh, well, yeah. except four, of course. Four is fantastic. No, no, no. Four is the best one, obviously. But I mean, of the original trilogy for PS3, aren't you three? three? I I know a lot of people like two, and I get it. Um, But this one, um, I I had some issues with it. The the villains are are kind of weak. I, I kind of feel that way across the board uh, for those. They, first I was three about games. to say they they all are. They're very unmemorable. Yeah, uh, the second one is probably the best one. So I, I didn't really like the villains in part three, but uh, there's a section of the game near the end where you're out on the open sea and you're kind of mm-hmm. uh, infiltrating these uh, these pirate ships, uh, and I don't mean like pirate ships like old. 1600 i mean like no, you know like modern cargo, ship. cargo ships that just have to be run by pirates uh and when it starts sinking it's one of the best video game experiences i've had uh just full stop right oh, uh, yeah. so yeah that alone i think uh kind of propels it to the top so i thought you'd like Man. to to know that but also i I'm will glad, take yeah. i will take the opportunity to, to throw uncharted 4 in there because the uh, the epilogue uh after mm-hmm. you've beaten the game um have you you both played that I haven't, I haven't played, played that through. one yet, no. Oh, neither one of you have. Oh, shit. Uh, all right, well, then I don't want to spoil it too much, but uh, I'll just... The audience, <laughs> just a little bit. <laughs> the audience who's, who's played it will know what I'm talking about. Um, we, we kind of jump forward uh, in the future just a little bit, and there's a whole epilogue that puts a nice period to that whole series. Uh, I know they keep mm-hmm. talking about, oh, Uncharted 5, they might do that. I mean, they've got the movie coming out. They probably need a tie-in game. Yeah. Oh, that's true. Which is also supposed to be good. I'm picking that one up next. By the way, I downloaded it last night. Um, but uh, as far as the Nathan Drake story, I kind of like it ending where it ended in part four, uh, and yeah. I will leave it at that. Do do yourselves a favor, guys. Play that one. Nice. Someday. I'm actually uh, playing back through the through the first one. Uh, yeah. Again, and I'm reminded 
every single time I have to aim and shoot something that I suck at aiming with <laughs> joysticks. Yes. Yeah. I definitely uh, play with the assist on on all those games. Yeah, I do too. Uh, that's that's smart. If you're playing Uncharted, you play with the assist on yeah. because there's there's no way. And there's he murders so many people. So many. In the so many bodies. Games. There's so many shootouts. Yes. Uh, you had actually mentioned the Last of Us. That was on. That was one of on one of the ones on my list. Of course. And uh, I labeled this one tragedy porn, but in the best possible way. <laughs> okay. Because it's Jeez. like you know, it's the whole intro sequence to the game. Oh, you know, you, you've got the you've got this carrying your daughter <sighs> to try to escape this this thing going on, and then all of a sudden she gets shot yeah. and she dies. And it's like, for me, it wasn't like there was this, it wasn't a huge emotion. I mean, it was like a shocking thing. Right. It wasn't like so much sad, like, cause you didn't really have a, you haven't really built a connection with these characters yet, mm-hmm. but that moment and that relationship and how it kind of echoes throughout the rest of the game right. with Joel and Ellie's relationship, that's where it made, you know, where it was powerful and, so yeah, yeah, tragedy porn. I agree, and, 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 and the whole game is just moment after moment like that. I know. Uh, I, I, I that opening segment, that opening sequence, the the part that stuck with me the most was the fact that you start off playing that character. You're controlling the yes. daughter first before you even control Joel. I think. Uh, yes. And then yeah. yes, moments later, um, she's no longer with us, and it's uh, again the performances though are what. Make that connection for you because, uh, yeah, without the motion capture, without what's that guy's name, Travis? Um, Scott. <laughs> Travis Scott. Yes, Travis Scott. <laughs> Travis Scott. Yeah, without I, I could have told you without that lead actor and his uh, motion capture performance, uh, yeah. that game isn't nearly as emotional. And, and the same goes for Ellie, uh, little Ashley, yeah. whatever her name is, Ashley Ashley Johnson. Johnson. Yeah, I, I remember her. I can't. I don't know why I can't remember. This guy, because he's like one of the most famous voice actors in video games. Troy Baker, there you go. Troy Baker. There Troy go. Baker, there you go. Yeah, um, yeah, just a fantastic performance. And then the same thing with Ashley Johnson in the sequel. Uh, when, you, when you get around to playing uh, Last of Us Two, yeah, she's mm-hmm. uh, she's just knocking it out of the park. Yeah, good one, mm-hmm. good one, Jay. All right, since I kind of spoiled that Last of Us, uh, why don't you you go to your last one there? All right. Um, <clears throat> so this one's probably the one that Joe Joe didn't didn't do. Well, uh, <laughs> Final Fantasy VI. There it is. Yeah. Absolutely. This one has stuck with me since, what was it, 96, 97 when that came out? 94. I think it was was 94. 94. There are so many moments in this game that have an emotional impact, like a genuine emotional impact. And and I, I listed several of them that I can just remember off the top of my head. There's, there's this moment where, uh, one of the main characters you play, Tara, she is basically acting as the mother for this village of children that have lost their parents. Oof. And she's like, she's having to protect them. And this is kind of where it's revealed what her actual backstory is like, where her or where her um, origins are. Oh, really? Yeah. Cause <clears throat> I was going to say, I don't want to spoil too much, but it's, it's like eh, a go for it. 20, 25 year old game. But yeah. so she's, she's At basically, 25. she's a half, half human, half Esper, which is this world's version of um, not monsters, but well, they are kind of monsters, but they're essentially like the summons from all of the final fantasy games. Yeah. That, 
that's what they're that's what they come from but she's she's you know halfway between them and she doesn't know this herself uh until these children get threatened and that side of her comes out and oh. she com- she completely like transforms into this esper form of herself and goes on a rampage and then there there's a of course one of the iconic scenes is the opera house of course to, even i know, you know that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. going through that hold on uh, you've got Cyan uh, and his family and oh, the Phantom Train. Oh, yes, dude. finding them on the Phantom Train and 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 just the connection that he has that he's trying to to get to them to reach them before they're taken away on this train mm-hmm. to you know to the afterlife or whatever. Um, I mean, it's the connections that they all share too. Yes, it, which is yeah. which is great. Like Shadow Story. Yeah, uh, Locke story with Rachel. With Rachel, oh. we got Celeste uh, in in the. I, I guess it's about the halfway point of the game when when it goes into the world of ruin, and she's trying to nurse uh, Sid back to health. And Sid is one of the other characters, and ultimately Sid ends up dying. And it depends on what you feed him. It does. It depends on what you feed him. Um, mm-hmm. In in my first playthrough, he he did end up dying because I didn't I didn't oh, realize that you could actually find better better fish to to feed to him. <laughs> yeah, if and, you feed him the slow fish, he'll end up dying. But if you find yeah. faster fish, he'll he'll live. Oh really? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And so when when he does end up dying, Celeste basically she's everything she's gone through so far in this game and all of the the tragedy that she's had to to endure. And now that she's lost this, that's kind of like the, the the straw that breaks the, the you mm-hmm. know breaks it back there. And she com- well, she attempts to commit suicide. Oh, Jesus, yeah. She she goes and jumps off a cliff. Oh, that's right. And it's like holy shit, that's it's deep. You know, this is, <laughs> yeah, this is this is a game for kids essentially. Yeah. She has a very profound journey that she goes on too, because mm-hmm. when you first meet Celeste, she's actually like one of the captains of like the evil the army villains. of Gisela's yeah, army. Yeah. yeah. And she ends up joining your side. And like, I, I think even though it's, you could make the argument that it's Tara's story, man, it's, it's, it's all about too. Celeste. Like her, it's her journey. And, and I think that's just a testament to like how rich these characters, they made a game with like, 12 characters in it and they all have a great like full and satisfying storyline yeah and also i would say you know we're comparing it to contemporary games where we've got motion capture and actors and dialogue and and professional music here's like a a 16-bit game with (laughs) sprites and uh chip tunes basically Mm -hmm. and here we are 30 years almost later still talking about it obviously still resonated with you uh, both Oh, yeah. No. Absolutely. Uh, well, I've got one more on my list. Um, and then, Joe, if I think if you've got some honorable mentions, we can do that. Uh, it's another independent yeah. game. I didn't really, I didn't mean to do all independent <laughs> games, but I feel like I did here. And it's you another no kind of, times. another like, well, I had Uncharted and The Last of Us in there as well. Uh, also, right. uh, Edith Finch is a, is a, 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 a 3D walking simulator. Uh, Every time the, you say her name, I think of All in the Family. All in the Family. <laughs> yeah. Edith, Edith. All in the family. <laughs> totally different character. Uh, but this one is uh, called Limbo from, um, Oh, I can't remember yeah. the developer's name, but they also did uh, Inside, Inside, which is one of my favorite oh. games of all time. Oh. 
well, yeah, that's a game that sticks with you and makes you feel something. Uh, but also, so does Limbo. Even though it's it's a side scroller, it's a kind of a platformer. Basically, you're solving puzzles. Uh, you're trying to not get murdered uh, throughout mm-hmm. it, basically horribly. Uh, and some says, of the- pay attention to the shadows. <laughs> yes, pay attention to the shadows. You learn that quickly early on. Um, but it wasn't until the end of it, the, the game begins. Uh, it's a slow fade up from black. You're this little guy um, who's basically a, a silhouette uh, for the most part. It's a very minimalistic looking game. Also very kind of, uh, the, the color is kind of drawn out of it. It's very monochromatic as well. Mm-hmm. And so it's very eerie and spooky. It has a lot of atmosphere. Uh, and as you're going through the game, you're solving these puzzles. You die in all horrible manner of ways. Uh, but at the very beginning, uh, you walk past uh, what appears to be like a, a, a dead body in the grass. It's, it's not very clear what it is, and there's flies flying around it. And as you progress through the game, uh, it's, it's kind of a short game as well. And the puzzles yeah. get harder and harder until the very end, the very last uh, um, hurdle that you have to jump through. The game kind of uh, – either you guys beaten Limbo? Yes. Yep. Yeah. The game kind of goes into slow motion. You literally break through kind of like a, a a mirror. There's a line, and it kind of shatters and flips around. And the next thing you know, you're back at the very beginning of the game, right where you mm-hmm. started. And that's when you realize, oh shit, that's why this game is called Limbo. This character is dead. You've yeah. you've been dying. You're, you're looking for your. I think it's like his sister, right? Is the whole. Uh, mm-hmm. Who's I guess presumably in limbo with him, uh, but realizing at the end that you're kind of destined to do this loop over and over again, and but, for, yeah. for for a game that kind of looks very cartoony uh, and simplistic and and um, it isn't too much of a challenge, that really stuck with me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and realized, oh man, this this whole you know I was just kind of like playing it as a as a, as a puzzler mm-hmm. uh, to kill some time uh, and. Now I'm kind of, I remember watching some YouTube videos afterwards because there's all little sorts of clues that they pepper throughout the game to tell you that you, in fact, yourself are dead. They couch it as if, you know, you're searching for your dead sister. You're trying to bring her back from limbo. But yeah. uh, at the end of the game, you realize you yourself are also there with her. And uh, it's, that really... It's chilling. Yeah, yeah. it is. That chilling is is the perfect word, Joe. Yes. Uh-huh. No, and I, th- I thought that you end up finding out because you had mentioned the dead body that you pass. Like, that's you. Yeah. I, I want to say there's maybe like two lumps. You and your sister. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, it, you know what? One of one of my games is kind of along those same lines as Limbo and Inside, uh, and it was a game called Braid that came out. Oh like, yeah. Oh, yes. oh yes. dude, this this game it was like when I first. It, it's beautiful. It's all done. It looks like an oil painting, uh, and it, it has kind of this um. Uh, this doomsday, like end of the world kind of feel to it. But so you're going through and it's almost like a take on Super Mario where you like you jump on bad guys to kill them or whatever. But they're, they're, these are really complex puzzles that you're kind of making your way through. And as you're uh, as you're going through the story, uh, you're getting some text and you're like getting you're finishing up these paintings. And a lot of them are pictures. And a lot of these pictures look like, you know, the, it like the someone who's been like painting pictures of a beautiful woman, like they're a couple and he's, he's in love with this woman and he keeps painting her and you kind of find out through the course of the story. And like you end up in the final level, you, you manipulate time in this game where like you have to go back and forth and some things aren't manipulated by the time, but you have to manipulate the things around it to make things, you know, appear or disappear. Um, and so the final 
the final level of the game, you play through it, and it goes one way, but then you have to reverse back, and ultimately you see how things really are. So through the course of this game, you think you're chasing after this kidnapped princess, this girl that you're supposed to be saving, but what you realize is you've been stalking her the <laughs> entire time, and she's been trying to get away from you. Oh, no. Oh, yeah, and it's like... <laughs> like it, when when you finally get that story, like it, it blows your mind. Uh, so I wanted to kind of mention that that one was on my list. Uh, I also wanted to give a little bit of love to a game that came out this past year, Paper Mario: The Origami King. What? Uh, mm. I don't. No, no, no. I don't want to spoil anything. There's something that happens in this game. Like this game, legitimately will make you tear up. Really? Like, there is a there is a connection. Oh, wow. There's a character that you meet up with and team up with, and their backstory is so touching and so deep. And then, like, the resolution for that character is heartbreaking. Like, I, w- I wasn't expecting it at all. And then at the very end of the game, they kind of call back to it. And you, you catch yourself, like, going, all right, that's pretty good. Okay. I couldn't, I couldn't even believe I was feeling that way about a, a Mario game. Wow. But my big one uh, that I wanted to talk about really quick was 2013's Bioshock Infinite. <laughs> I knew it. I knew we weren't going to get through this episode without a Bioshock yeah. showing up. <laughs> no. Bro. I almost, I almost, I almost put this on. <laughs> Man, if, I mean, if, if there was, if there was a, a, the most unexpected, especially after playing the first Bioshock, which I thought was good, and it had kind of a, a, a touching little story, uh, you know, a way that you can kind of manipulate how things worked out, and then the second one was a little bit of more of the same. It wasn't as good as the first, but it wasn't horrible. I wasn't expecting, especially with all the the. All the times they've had to push back the release, I wasn't expecting Bioshock Infinite to be as good as it was, nor was I expecting it to affect me like it did. Mm. And like this whole game, you play this guy named Booker DeWitt who goes to this floating city in the sky called Columbia. And you're supposed to like find uh, Elizabeth, this woman Elizabeth, right. and like bring her back. Uh, bring us the girl, give us the girl, and we'll wipe away the dead. And what you don't realize is that you're actually remembering things from like alternate realities from alternate pasts. And this whole thing is like the character playing is also the main villain of the game. Uh, it's just that he's, and, and I'm sorry if I'm spoiling anything, this game's like 15 years old though. Um, so y- you are Booker DeWitt, but you're also this guy named Jeffrey Comstock, uh, who is the founder of Columbia. Oh. And the thing is like, so Comstock, <laughs> oh my gosh, Comstock is what happens after Booker DeWitt. Booker DeWitt goes to like, he, he's at war. And I think it's like Civil War era. Um, right. He yeah, goes to war. Time. And then like, it, there are two different things. He, I, he goes to be baptized and then decides he doesn't want to be baptized. That's, what, that's how Booker DeWitt becomes Booker DeWitt. Uh, and he becomes like this sap. And he, he ends up getting a woman pregnant, has a daughter. And sells his daughter oh, Jesus. to the the Lutesses. Uh, and yeah, it's like this crazy thing. So then there's an alternate reality where Jeffrey Comstock, Booker DeWitt, decides to be baptized and becomes Jeffrey Comstock. And Jeffrey Comstock gets married and creates Columbia, which is like this pure land and racist. As <laughs> yes. But he can't have kids. So he ends up 
basically uh, commissioning the the Lutes twins, who aren't twins. They're just two versions of this person. Oh. One's a male, yeah. one's a female, but they work together to end up ripping open holes in, in time and space. And they figure out a way to meet up with Booker. That's why they get they offer to buy the, the kid from Booker DeWitt. So that way Comstock can have his biological daughter, oh, Elizabeth. Oh my gosh, like there's this whole thing. So when you finally save her, you finally finish up this final battle, you show up at the lighthouse. Like it, it starts to get a little trippy. Jay, have you played through this? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it starts to get trippy. And she starts to explain that like the loops, like the 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 causality and 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 how like time will keep repeating itself. We're doomed to make the same mistakes unless we figure out what the root is and then snuff it out there. And yeah. like, and, and, and the whole game explores, like, do we actually have free will, free will. or is everything predetermined? Yeah. Uh, and it, it's so, it's so beautiful. So you end up going through and she starts to kind of come into herself and understand the powers and explain to you, like, there are, oh, there are these constants. There's always these constants. There's always a lighthouse. Uh, and, and. You, she ends up bringing you back, and I know I'm glossing over a lot, but she ends up bringing you back to that point where you decide whether or not you're going to be baptized. And you finally, because of the horrible things that you potentially will do, you decide, basically, you have like five, six, seven versions of Elizabeth show up, and they put you underwater, and you drown and yourself. They, they drown you, right? Yeah. They drown you. Yeah. And... Like as they're drowning you, different versions of Elizabeth start to disappear. Damn. Which which is like you're basically snuffing her existence out as well. Yeah. Because you never yeah. existed at that point. Like you never got to that point where you had her, so she never existed. And it's like when you realize that's what's happening, and it didn't like I'm sure it would affect me even more now being a parent and imagining like wh- what? <laughs> what it, it's it, it was it was mind-boggling it was sad it was also joyous at times mm-hmm. it, it was it was a game that ran the gamut of emotion and it was so expertly executed that uh there's no way this couldn't have been on my list yeah i'm, uh, I'm getting chills just uh hearing you talk about it man you should, you should if you haven't played it you should i have not the, I, I i knew about the ending but uh it, that still know, doesn't spoil keep... the ending no no but it's okay because it's uh, like a, with a lot of these games it's more about the experience it's okay to if you even if you know how something plays out experiencing it is is what um makes you have that emotional connection. Go ahead, Jake. Oh, for- yeah. I was going to say almost almost equally as as powerful as the main game itself is the the DLC, the Burial at Sea. I never DLC. played. It. Oh my god. Okay, so it's it's in two back. chapters. The the first chapter you you you're back as Booker and um you are saving another version of Elizabeth. Um and then in the second Rapture, chapter, right? Aren't you in Rapture? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you're you're actually down in rapture. In the second chapter, you're Elizabeth, and oh. you're saving one of the um, uh, the sisters, the little, little sisters sister. that are mm-hmm. uh, from the original Bioshock. And you, you're you're basically following her throughout the game. She's in the pipes of of rapture, and you're going to different areas, and you're closing off different areas of the pipes to 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 make sure that she can only come out of one area, so you'll know mm-hmm. where she's coming from. Throughout that that whole segment, you are contacted by uh, God. I can't remember the guy's name. <laughs> he's, 
he, he's one of the guys from the original one. He, he's one of the the main like mob guys oh. in the. Oh, in the okay, one. gotcha. Yeah, yeah. And he wants you to bring her, bring this girl to him, and you're you're basically you have this choice of either you bring the girl to him or you refuse, and uh-huh. essentially. You know the 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 moral side of you kicks in, and you're like, well, no, fuck, I'm not bringing her, you know, I'm not bringing her to him because I I know what what he's going to be doing to her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And again, if you haven't played it, I don't want to spoil this because I, I yeah, have don't a feeling Joe sure. would probably want to play it. Um, it's just what what transpires after that is less, it it that part still sticks with me, wow. and it's been. I don't know, five or six years since I played that one, and it's it's still sticking with me. Man, I'm so super impressed with what they've done with that. Like the 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 emotional impact of when Elizabeth finally transports you to Rapture in the Mm -hmm. the main game after the battle on the ships, and uh, what is it? The um the the songbird comes out you, and she like ends up like teleporting you, and you're when you realize you're in Rapture, and you look across the way and you see a little sister with a big daddy. Uh, trying to like get him to get back up, and it's like, oh my god, oh, this is a good topic, Joel. This was this ended up being a a really good discussion. Oh, thanks. I'm glad I got to be a part of this. Well, yeah, and well, you guys brought some good games. We kind of ran the gamut of of emotions, um, and I I just love this medium uh, of video games. And uh, you know, again, we can call ourselves gamers. Uh, and and people play games for for different reasons, but um, and and I don't want to be. I think we've all said the same thing. I don't want every game to be you know kind of like a, a tearjerker or to, or to try to make me feel something. But every now and then right. when it happens, um, like I said, it, it kind of enriches your lives. It it, it sticks with you, and uh, I feel like I'm a better person for for having played some of these games. So can't wait to um, pick up some of these other ones that you guys have recommended. Good good choices, yeah. guys. <laughs> All right, Yay, we did it. You did, we did it. it. We did the thing. All right, we'll uh, head on over to uh, our Facebook page, uh, 16-Bit Gladiators, also on our Twitter handle, at uh, 16-Bit Gladiators, uh, and tell us what games made you feel feels. be curious to see uh, what other people have on their lists as well. All right, well, next week uh, our topic is going to be uh, reboots, and uh, obviously there have been a lot of franchises throughout video games, what, 40-year-odd history, and uh, every now and then, these franchises get a new fresh coat of paint put on them. And uh, sometimes they're better, sometimes they're worse. But I think we're going to talk about some of our favorite franchise reboots uh, of video game history. So uh, tune in next week on the 16-Bit Gladiators to hear what we have to say about that, what makes our list. Uh, but for now, it's up to me to say uh, thank you, Joe. Thank you. Thank you, Jay. Thank you. And uh, thank you, the listener, for tuning in to 16-Bit Gladiators. And we will see you next time. You've been listening to the Next Wave Radio Network. That's fucking gold.